Paul here with a quick content warning for you guys. During this episode, due to the nature of the film and the guests that we had on, there is a certain amount of political discussion and topics of that nature. So if you do not wish to listen to that, then I would perfectly understand. But if you don't mind, then obviously feel free to keep listening. And so with that being said, here is our review of V for Vendetta. The Blockbusters Podcast is a proud member of the Pod Bros Network, where you can find us as well as other excellent podcasts such as Sarcasm City, Worst Millennials, and Late Night Gamers at podbros.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Blockbusters Podcast. Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? You can't fight in here, this is the war room! Now, where was I? Welcome to episode 109 of the Blockbusters podcast. I am Paul, and today I am joined by Ian from That Delightful. How are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. 109 episodes? Are you kidding me? Uh, technically it's more, but this is the 109th <laughs> review episode. So. <laughs> that's a lot. Man, that's a lot. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Yes, it's been a while coming, but uh, it's here. So there you go. <laughs> the first 108 were just practice for this one right here. Exactly. That, that's all it was. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Very much oh, so. Man. All right. So, uh, well, before I do my preamble, why don't you let people know who you are, what it is you do, and where they can find that thing. Oh, sure. So, uh, so uh, you know, like you said, uh, my name is Ian. I'm from the uh, from the podcast That's Delightful, another proud podcast of the Pod Bros Network. Mm-hmm. Um, we are uh, myself, my wife Michelle, and her coworker, my friend uh, Dr. Kelly Abbott, and uh, we're a podcast that focuses mostly on uh, social justice issues and politics. And um, you know, I, I I won't get too much into it because I don't know which way you and and, and your audience leans, but uh, <laughs> we're the snowflakes of the internet. We're, we are a very liberal and progressive podcast, um, and uh, we're uh, we're just we're just in our in, in our eyes we're we're just that podcast trying to trying to do the next right thing. So um, you can find us at totallydelightfulstuff.com. Uh, we're also at podbros.com. All the major uh, all the major podcast uh, what, what do you call it players platforms yeah. uh, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, iTunes. And um, we're not 109 episodes in. We uh, we just published uh, as we're you and I are recording now. We just published our 67th episode. Oh yeah, um, but uh, yeah, we're about a year and a half old. And we're loving it, man. It's a it's a good time. It's yeah, a good time. Uh, at least you are sticking to a fairly regular schedule. Uh, yeah, when we started, I think it was once a month for a little while, and then we went a little a little more than that and then we were like well no we didn't have time so yeah it took us a while to really get down how much we were going to be out but yes apparently that's not the way most people do things <laughs> so well, they have you, a schedule you, and stick to it you know this this podcast world and and you know because you've been doing it now for a while it's it's a fickle world and it's you know we, we do this for the fun of it we're not doing it because we get a paycheck and so if we can do it once a week that's awesome if we only have time to do it once a month you know we're still here doing it because we love it uh, we you know we've we've 
we've been able to do it once a week because we live about a mile and a half apart from each other. And my wife and her coworker uh, ride ride to and from work together every single day, so it's a lot easier for you know Wednesday night for Kelly to come on in and, and get one recorded. But uh, you know, it's we we do it because we love it. We don't do it because we're going to become hundred heirs. Well, yes, yeah, very true. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and not to suggest that they do a podcast without you, but I feel like you could record maybe a mini cast with the two of them on their way to or from work, talking about the uh, you know, the news of the day or something. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know, I, I might be able to. I don't know if you ever get a chance to listen to the show again. Shameless plug, totallydelightfulstuff.com. Uh, <laughs> but if you ever get a chance to listen to it, I defer to them a lot. I am. Um, I'm the I'm the dummy on the show. Um, I the reason the reason I'm on it is because I've been working in radio, broadcast radio for the last 20 years. Um, I've got a I've got a morning show that I do five days a week out of Modesto, California. Um, but uh, but when it comes to when it comes to like politics and quote the issues, uh, you know, one's one's a doctor, one's got their master's in social work, and they're very well read, and they. They know a lot more than I do. I just know how to direct the traffic. I know how to say that how to. I know how to get from point A to point B and back. And they know how to fill in the middle. Um, if I were going to do anything mini cast on my own, it would probably be something around you know Hollywood gossip or films like you know you and I are doing right here. And because otherwise, I'm <laughs> I am not at their level. I'm I'm just lucky <laughs> to be there. Yeah, you're just a pretty boy that presses the button. That's right. <laughs> I'm just there for the looks. <laughs> and it's purely audio medium that's right <laughs> right right hey you know i just turned 40 about a week ago so so the looks are going downhill right now you gotta you gotta get in while you can so, so yeah <laughs> you've now got the face for radio as they yeah, say. exactly <laughs> lucky me lucky oh, me yes. <laughs> i'll quickly get our stuff out of the way and then we can uh, dive right into it so hey, yeah like i said earlier do your thing and i'll follow your lead man all right, sure. So, if you want to get a hold of us about anything that's been said today or any previous episode or any future episode, just you can get a hold of us on Twitter at Blowbusters, Facebook.com slash Blowbusters, on Instagram at Blowbusters, we're on Vero at Blowbusters, or you can email us at theblokesatblokebusters.com, or you can go to blokebusters.com, or you can go to podbros.com and search for us on there, as well as that delightful and many other wonderful podcasts. And there you have it. So, we are here today to talk about V for Vendetta. And this is because you suggested it. So You said, yeah, you said Lady's Choice and I ran with it, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, directed by Jane Teague. I'm hopefully saying that right. I believe that my catchphrase at this point and uh, a budget of 54 million dollars and it made at the box office worldwide 132 million five hundred eleven thousand and thirty five us dollars so it did quite well for itself you could say it did from from a director that that when you look at james mcteague and you look at his at his background like v for vendetta is pretty much the biggest notch under his belt as far as like him personally directing everything else that he has, he's you know second unit director or second director stuff like that. Um, yeah, this was kind of this was his jam. This was also his first feature directing gig as well. So it's yeah, you actually look into some of his stuff. He basically just done as as you said, assistant director, including on the Matrix and uh, Star Wars Episode Two, and then this was his directorial debut. So. 
Yeah. And obviously we'll talk about just how well that went for him or not, depending on your point of view. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> not bad. I mean, he, I, in my opinion, if, he, if you're going to, for a first at bat, knocking it out of the park like that, I say well done. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, it's not quite the same as Shawshank Redemption. I mean, like, how's that for a first time oh. directing gig? I mean, that's, that was Shawshank insane. is legendary. Shawshank yeah. is legendary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. I don't even. I, they're not even in the same conversation. No, they. Uh, they definitely are not. Well, technically they are because, as I said, uh, both of them were made by first-time directors. So, uh, but yes, uh, in all other <laughs> forms, uh, no, not in the same <laughs> conversation at all. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you let you let me pick this movie, and I, I you know for whatever reason I uh, you know how you know how you have movies that even though you've seen them a million times, you still go back to them because there's a comfort in them, or just just uh, there's something compelling about the movie that'll make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Yeah. Uh, v for V for Vendetta is one of those movies for me. And anytime it's on, I watch it. If I ever have a chance to go back and, and casual watching, I will. I love this movie. Yeah, fair enough. Tell <laughs> uh, real quick. I'll just run through some of the cast, and then we can get straight into that. Uh, you got it. So we've got Natalie Portman as Evie Hammond, uh, Stephen Rea as Eric Finch, who is the head of New Scotland Yard, and uh, you got John Hurt is in this. So it's the war doctor himself as High Chancellor Adam Suttler. Stephen Fry makes an appearance in this film wonderfully because I love Stephen Fry as Gordon Dietrich and we'll definitely get into him in a bit. And of course you have as V Hugo Weaving, a man who really doesn't feel like anything else I've ever seen him in in this one. Uh, And yeah, we'll definitely had to talk about V because well he's the main character in this I don't care how much people like Natalie Portman as Evie Hammond in this V is the main character in my opinion so yes this film <laughs> I I remember first seeing this film and I think I saw it in the cinema and the reason why I don't remember if I saw it in the cinema or if I saw it at home is because I was pretty much sucked into it the entire time it was on, and I don't mm-hmm. care if I saw it in the cinema or if I saw it at home, because I thoroughly enjoyed it when I first saw it. So, yeah, it's it's always interesting to me going back to this, and uh, I've I've read nineteen eighty four, I've seen the film nineteen eighty four, I've read a whole bunch of these things that are kind of in the same vein. Uh, the only thing I haven't done is I haven't read the comic series that. This is based on all the visual novels, as uh, uh, people would say. But uh, yeah, I I kind of like the dystopian style stuff, and this is very dystopian. And it's extreme, I, yes. Yeah, I I actually enjoy this story myself more than 1984. Uh, no. So, so I have to, I have to make it a, a confession here because when I was, and I posted about V for Vendetta and that I was going to be doing the show with you on my Facebook a couple of days ago and uh, a buddy of mine, he's a, he's a school teacher. He said, Oh man, you know, this reminds me, like you said of 1984. And then he mentioned this other book and I said, you know, here's where, here's where I got to come clean with you, man. Uh, I haven't read or seen 1984 yet. And, uh, and, and I apologize in advance because everybody keeps referencing it. And now, now thanks to you and thanks to that other guy, I got to read a book, Paul. 
Thanks. Well, no, no, they, <laughs> no, they, they made a, a film of it, as I said, and uh, actually, John Hurt is the main character in 1984. Oh, so, no kidding. No, yeah, he, he plays uh, the main guy who, for whatever reason, the name is completely escaping me right now, but uh, yeah, he, he's the main character in that film. So it's uh, very interesting that he's in this. Yeah, maybe I'll put that on my uh, on my on my late night viewing. I you know when my when my wife and my kids go to bed, I prowl around the house like a crazy man because that's the only time the house is ever quiet. So maybe I'll <laughs> uh, maybe I'll pop that on for a little for uh, a little while tonight when the house is uh, shut down. Yeah, I mean, it. I would. I might suggest having something like Monty Python to watch afterwards, just because it's <laughs> it is a bit of a downer. <laughs> <laughs> a bit more. You of do that too, right? <laughs> you watch um, something funny after something terrible. Some sometimes. I mean, it, it's not often that I need to because, as my uh, co-host often like to put it, I am just a cold, heartless bastard. But uh, <laughs> but yes, every now and again, it's like you know what? Let's follow that up with something nice, shall we? <laughs> not to not to take a left hand turn on other movies, but have you ever seen Hostel? I have, yes. Uh, yeah, I, as soon as I watched Hostel, I had to put the mask on. Hmm, interesting yeah, yeah, double bill. I, I, I had to watch something hilarious after Hostel because it, 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 watching that guy take the blowtorch to that woman's face, just I, I couldn't do it. I had to, I had to watch something that was going to make me laugh afterwards because I was questioning everything I knew. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember watching Hostel, and I, I could hear the people around me just you know, obviously doing the the shocked reaction and uh, <gasps> the, the gasps and breaths and all of that stuff. And yeah. I was just watching it just like, oh, well, yeah, the effects are quite good in this. Oh, all right, yeah. Like, that's, like, I love watching horror films specifically to see how well they do the gore and that stuff. Like, I, I really appreciate all of the realism, the looks of those types of things. So it's actually, like, I'm a bit clinical. When I get to that part, so I guess that bit that doesn't bother me. I mean, I don't see the need to watch anything other than the first hostel. There's what three or four of them at this point. I don't care about watching anymore. I don't need to. I've seen that one. I'm sure there are variants on yeah. that one. It's the same <laughs> with the purge. I'm not going to watch any more purges. I've seen the first one. I'm good. Like, what else <laughs> can they possibly do? No, I'm with you on that. I I don't need to. I've I've watched one purge. I've watched one hostile. I think the only one I've ever gone back for for the other ones is uh, Saw. Uh, yeah, I, I think I saw I saw one two. I, and I hate the fact that it's Saw. Because did you see Saw? Yes, I saw Saw. Um, I've seen one, two, and three. I think I skipped four and saw five. Then I saw four, and I read the plot for the last two because I was like I. I'm not invested enough in this. I've seen the rest of them, but I'm not like, oh, I must know what happens next. It's sure. Like, sure, whatever. Like, <laughs> If it's on TV, I'll watch it, and I don't have TV. I just have Netflix and Hulu at this point, so I'm not going to actively put it on. Oh, you're a cord cutter. I like it. I like it. Yeah, it, I mean, it was either just paying for Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that, or paying the hundred and something a month. So I was like, let's not do that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you don't you don't have to upsell that to me. I'm I'm right there with you. <laughs> so. so so yes, uh, in this Viva Vendetta podcast, we should probably get back to talking about that. Yeah, so, I know. Isn't that something we were talking about a minute ago? I, I thought so. 
And yeah, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, so, so V for Vendetta, <laughs> Paul. All right. Uh, so uh, why don't you tell me then, what is the thing that makes you keep coming back to this? What about it really hooks you? So when this first came out, this came out, I think it was around 2005, if I got the date right on that. Uh, 2006. Uh, 2006. Okay. So, so I know that you moved to the States in uh, 2011, but I mean, you, you, no matter where you were in the world in 2001, when 9-11 happened, 9-11 happened. Everybody knew about it. Um, yeah. when I, when I saw this movie, when it came out in 2000, 2006, it, uh, it, it, it resonated with me, uh, with, with the state of our country at the time, you know, uh, um, the, the, the George Bush, George W. Bush was still in office and it was, it, you, if you did, if you disagreed with him, then you weren't American because we were at war and it was, it was this whole thing it, where it was just blind allegiance was what was required of you to be a good American. And I never really agreed with that. Um, and I was watching V for Vendetta then, and I thought, man, this kind of rings true. You know, it's like, it's like you're either with Adam, Ch- Adam Sutler, um, or you're not, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so I went, I, I, I actually, until we decided to do this podcast, I hadn't watched this for a couple of years. And then I went back and rewatched this again a couple of days ago, just to kind of freshen up. And I thought, holy crap, if this does not resonate now with the state of America, America <laughs> more than it did even then there's just so many things in here that just every it, it, it to me it's frightening there's just this this blind allegiance that this movie uh, is fighting against you know it's it's you're either with him or you're against him not 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 just with the citizens but the you know the members of uh, well they didn't really have a parliament in this new one did they it was just he was the chancellor and and everybody else was beneath him right yeah the, the parliament didn't really exist anymore yeah that uh, it more just it's the buildings still stand and everyone still knows what they are but yeah that there okay. is no parliament um and 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 i'm uh, and i'm watching uh, you, you know the in, in this movie the btn the british television network is what they have now uh and uh and and the guy that was basically there sean hannity and i, I can't remember his name now in the movie uh, uh lewis prothero i believe is who you're referring to but he was he was basically a spokesperson for the for the government you know yeah and uh and yeah, the voice and, and of london watching that is, yeah, the voice of London. I'm like, holy crap! That's Sean Hannity right there. You know, from Fo- that's that's their Fox News, and it's just so reminiscent of, in my opinion, of of what's happening now. There's this part. There's this part in the um, in in the movie where where on the BTN he's calling out he's calling out the uh, the immigrants and the Muslims and the poor people and the gay people, and and he's just fueling and feeding this hate to its citizens. And and demanding this blind allegiance and and the movie I guess just kind of speaks to me because in the end, in the end when when he when he when V sends out the masks to everybody and he knows what's going to happen. Some of these people are going to get the mask and put it on their counter and never put it on at all. Some of these people are going to get the mask and think maybe on the fifth of November I'll show up. I'm not really sure. And some of these people are going to get the mask and then put it on and go rob liquor stores. But either way, he's creating this this civil disobedience. And by creating the civil disobedience and making people do things that they normally wouldn't do, he's actually unifying them. And and you don't you know, you don't you don't really see it that way at first, but then you realize in, in the end, these people that were robbing liquor stores and drawing the V over signs outside of buildings um, and the casual looker honors that decided to show up because maybe it was time for a change. He unified all of those people against a government that was completely and totally holding them down. And I just, I, to me, 
to me, that's something pretty powerful. Um, I, I think people see civil disobedience as something that's, you know, civil disobedience is still disobedience. I think civil disobedience can be very patriotic in the right form. And, um, and I think a lot of people forget that, that dissent from your government is actually kind of a patriotic thing. You know, America was created by people who descended, who, who, who dissented from their government. That's how we became a country. Nobody seems to remember that, and they, they have to do that all over again in V for Vendetta. I don't know. To me, it's, it, to me, it's just very powerful moments. Yeah, no, there's there's very like, very big messages in this film, and obviously the big takeaway is like the the people are bigger than the ruling party. Yes, if, if the people were to rise up, then they would ultimately win. Obviously, you, there would be casualties on both sides, but the, the people outnumber <laughs> the ones in power. So it's uh, it's very interesting to rewatch this and just think about current political landscape, previous political landscapes, and some of the things that you, you don't really try and think about. But if you start drawing parallels, you realize how many there are. So Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. It... it it is interesting that way, and I I always say because I'm a very visual person. Uh, when it comes to the films that we've reviewed in the past, Brian has always been the the audio guy. He's always listening for the music, the soundtrack, the the foley stuff, like all of that. So he's really drawn in by that. And for me, mostly because I am partially deaf, the visuals of a film can really captivate me. And this film looks fantastic the and it it doesn't surprise me that the wachowskis were kind of behind this uh they they wrote it based off of the the visual novels or the comic books i'm, I'm actually not 100 percent sure um, what it was but they they wrote it based off of that and that's clearly the hand of them in this and just the style that they went with i i thought it was beautifully done and very very gray whenever it's a regular like office building or just out and about and then all of the colors start coming in when v turns up or when evie ends up going to gordon's house and you see his side and it's like that the colors are hidden away from everywhere because obviously the people in power just want things to be very bland no one to question anything just go along with it so it's uh it's really interesting visual choices in this film so that's something that i never really i, I mean i mean the way you explained it there because i've never really uh, looked at it like that before i mean i've seen movies where you know they've pointed out afterwards you know in disney movies the good characters never have sharp edges or sharp or points in there that you know the, there's never points in their drawing if they're a good character etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. so 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 you pay you pay a lot more attention to that so maybe you can uh shed light on this then to, to me and i don't know i don't know if you noticed this and, and maybe you can explain Band on it more to me i saw a heavy use of black and red like black and red was like the theme of the movie oh, everything was black so. and red yeah 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 well the uh, i think the the main reasoning behind that is obviously black and red were the colors for the the ruling party like that was their uh, symbol and then also i think v is adopting that to say like look these colors mean this for you, but when I wear them, like their strength, their 
the ideal of me and say so I'm using your colors against you and so I think it's a lot of a lot of that just throughout the film because I I know that a lot of the blacks and reds are either around V or around Evie and, yes and I think that's a way of bringing the two characters together even before they actually meet you know it's kind of associating that these two characters are kind of the same now the one thing I can't answer is are there a lot of black and reds in the original text? And there probably are. And that might just be what they're drawing a lot from, but they might be doing it for the same reasons. So that the way that I took uh, from the film that is that they're trying to make EV and V as similar as possible. And then also I felt that V was taking the colors of the ruling party and sort of claiming them back as it were. Kind of reappropriating so, them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other, you know, the other question I had about the visual too, and, I, and I've always wondered this from the first time that I saw the movie until now, um, <clears throat> you know, V is this, uh, he's not, he's not superhuman, obviously. I mean, he can be killed by gunshots and he was, mm -hmm. but, uh, but in the end, the final, the final fight scene when he's swinging his, when he's swinging his knives around and, and, and killing all of the fingermen and the guy that was going to be in command now that, uh, that the chancellor was dead, the, all the knives had little white tracers behind them. And it's, it's the only time they do that in the entire movie. I mean, the guy takes out a dozen people before this scene with knives and they never show that. But in this one scene, everything he does, every knife that he throws has a little white tracer following it. Yep. And the only reason I can give you for that is looks cool. Doesn't it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if there was some sort of something there that I was missing. I, I was watching this. I was like, why wait till now? You know, like the movie's been going off. We already know this dude's a badass. Why, why are we waiting until this point to make something cool happen with his knives? Why couldn't we have done it when he broke into the BTN building? Yeah, I, I, I do think that the, the problem this film has is that you have V who's doing all of this stuff and you have him taking out all of these people. And ultimately, his final sort of big battle is, again, just against a group of these people. And obviously, it's a, a very cool <laughs> battle, just with the way that, uh, like, one of my favorite lines is where it's like, you know, we, what was it? Yes, we have you surrounded. No, what you have is guns and the hope that when they are empty, I will not be standing here. <laughs> it's just yes. a fantastic speech. Uh, but yeah. Even with that, there still has to be something a little different, something better about the final fight. And so I think they just went with the stylistic choice. And uh, again, not having read the original text, it might be in there as well. And that was them doing the homage to it. But yeah, that part for me has always just been... Well, that was a cool fight. <laughs> it, was, it was, yeah, it was. It was kind of like a little. But wasn't it a little bit of a letdown? Um, you know, a, a little I, bit. I felt like I felt like that final fight. I felt like that final fight was like having the girl of your dreams over, and you and and like you start making out. And you're like, okay, this is this is gonna happen now. This is the girl of my dreams. I love this woman. It's this is the payoff. And then she jumps up halfway through, and she's like, hey, I'm double parked. I gotta go. <laughs> Like I like I felt like that was kind of the same payoff here. It was like it was like I'm, I'm getting ready for this massive ending, and it's just fingermen and this one guy and a couple of knives and a couple of guns, and they put tracers on him and said, "There you go." <laughs> I 
I think I think I see what you're saying, but I also think that you were expecting that to be the end of the film with V ultimately winning and that isn't the end of the film. The end of the film sure. is obviously Evie taking ownership and deciding yes she's going to destroy parliament and yes she's going to kind of be the new figurehead as it were of this movement even though there isn't really a figurehead it's everyone so like the ultimate message and ending for the film is that if something like this is occurring people need to stand up and the fact that there was just a really cool fight scene even if it was a little lackluster compared to how you know blockbusters have been i i don't see that as an issue myself i feel that narratively the film works very well with the ending it has <laughs> so no i think i think i think it ends on a on a on a solid note i i like the way it ends i like that it ended with her with her looking at finch and saying do you like music and she you know takes him up to the top of the building and, and basically recreates the first scene where her and v met i think that's awesome i, I love the way that ends actually um i i guess uh you know, part of me, and, and you never know with with uh, with with spinoffs or anything like that. But you know, part of me is like, man, if she's kind of taken over for him, I'd I'd love to see how that story plays out. You know, I'd love to see what what another V would look like. I, I know that'll never happen, but yeah. um, but but the way that the way that she kind of took charge, and the way that the way that she ended, I I love the way it ended. I wish the fight was a little bit more. I I, I wish there was more to the fight. I love right. the way the movie ended. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh... I I can definitely see what you're saying there. I I just never had an issue with that part myself because obviously if the fight was to be bigger, he would have had to have fought more people and then like the the realism of this fight obviously it's a it's one of those things of well the bad guys pretty much don't ever shoot his head. So yes. like you'd think that would be the first thing, but so that realism bit isn't there. But it feels more real that he was able to take out these. Uh, I don't remember the number of guys, but he was able to take out the final batch of guys in the amount of time it would take them to reload. You know my my issue my issue with the continuity here is that like you were mentioning, like none of them shot for the head. Um, they were almost kind of in a semicircle when they were shooting at him. So even even if majority of those bullets were hitting that steel plate that was like his big protector, nobody nobody really mentions that in that semicircle, a lot of those bullets would have shredded his arms. Yeah. And now he's now he's flinging around knives like he's like he's you know Madison Bumgarner for the San Francisco Giants. You know, it, 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 with with that many people and that many bullets, his arms would have been toast. His head would have been toast, but you can't do that in this movie, so they weren't. But yeah. that that was that was that was something that's always kind of gnawed at me a little bit, you know. <laughs> yeah, I I see what you're saying, Eddie. I mean, it's it's one of those things where do you want the film to be completely realistic, or do you want the film to have a cool narrative ending? And it's like, yeah, definitely right, right. in a, in a setup like this there has to be a certain amount of suspension of disbelief. Otherwise, it, it is just going to be, well, no, 
Sorry, <laughs> just now. <laughs> well, I think once you cross that line, I think once you cross that line, then you got to start saying something like, well, plus it was the middle of April and his allergies would have been out of control. And if he didn't take Claritin that day, then his <laughs> eyes would have been watering and he couldn't have thrown the knives anyway. Yeah. I, <laughs> and, it, and I believe there's a slight in-universe explanation, as it were, in that they mentioned at one point that V, when they're trying to figure out who he is, and they actually do, they say something about like that he must be in immense pain because obviously the burn's completely covering his body. So it's like, well, he's used to this much pain already. So getting even if he is shot by you know ten percent of the bullets that are shot at him, that he's well, able to work through s- it. I think they slightly glossed over that his his DNA and his body makeup made him like you know, repellent to these infections and the, and the sickness that they were dealing with. And, and I, I think they made like a, like a, like a slight gloss over like, Hey, this guy might be superhuman, but <laughs> let's keep talking about the story. You know, I think they, they kind of, they kind of lob that out there and, and, and you sort of hold on to that. And that sort of, you know, sets the stage for him getting in and out of these tricky situations where most people would have been shredded. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it's something that as long as, uh, for me, as long as the story is written well and it's performed well, I'm more okay with, all right, yeah, he got out of that one, or, oh, this happened and that means that he's not actually dead yet. Like, I, I'm, I'm less a stickler for that, but if you have any of those bits missing, so like if it's a well-written story but the actors just aren't bringing it, then you end up like, well, that was badly acted, and what the hell? Why did this not? <laughs> you know, the other the other part I wanted to mention in this movie, and this is just something that I always just kind of chuckled at. Um, but uh, you know, there's a scene in there right before right before Evie comes back because I I know we haven't even talked about the part where he basically kidnaps Evie and tortures yeah. the heck out of her, um, but. But right after that, when he's like training for this 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 big showdown, he sets up these dominoes to make this big red V with black all around it, and this like perfectly symmetrical, um, you know, where you, you tip the domino over, and then they all tip over. And when you look at it, uh, it the 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 thing that he made has got to be as tall as he is and three times as wide. And I've been looking on Amazon, who has black and red dominoes that many to make that V? Because I can't even find those on Amazon right now. I want to know where he got those dominoes. I, <laughs> yeah. be I mean, willing, I'm kidding. I'd be willing to bet you anything that in this particular universe, there was, uh, what was the name of the the party? The Norse Fire Party. I'd be willing to bet there are Norse Fire themed dominoes that are <laughs> on sale. And he, he stole them from the surplus. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take ten thousand of those dominoes and a Koran. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I always just chuckled when I saw that because yeah, I mean, who has that many dominoes? But um, but yeah, I just you know, it, it, all thing all things aside, this is just one of my favorite movies. This is just one of those movies that really really speaks to me. Yeah, I, it it is a phenomenal film, uh, and I. I had to say, we said at the beginning uh, that you know, Natalie Portman was Evie and I thought she did very well in this one. But as I said, for me, V is 
by far the main character in this. And th- think about this. Someone else, uh, James Purefoy, was cast as V, but left six weeks into filming. And I did not know that. Yeah, so he was then replaced by Hugo Weaving, who just came in and just did this fantastic portrayal of V. I mean, it, can, can you think of anyone else you would cast? Oh, just the, just the dialogue alone, that opening scene where, where every word he's saying starts with the letter V. And, uh, and, and what does he say? She said, uh, she said, oh, I get it. You're a crazy person. And uh, oh, what did he say to that? I wish I had that at the top. It's at the tip of my tongue. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I'll stuff my head. Uh, but, uh, but the way he delivers those lines, um, it, I, I couldn't imagine anybody else doing it. I mean, if there was an Eric Stoltz to, to, to V for Vendetta's Michael J. Fox, I'm glad he's gone because, because this guy killed Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> Not the back future there. Yeah, um, the guy that was doing it, he, uh, I don't know what people will have seen. Uh, he was Mark Antony in the HBO series Rome. Uh, he was uh, Joe Cowell in The Following. And uh, oh, he was also Lawrence Bancroft in Altered Carbon, if people have seen that. So, and uh, side note, if you haven't seen Altered Carbon, just watch it. Just seriously, watch it. <laughs> yeah. I have not seen that yet. I, I've heard I, about that one, though. That's uh, that's where people can basically change their skin, right? That is a very simplified version of, of uh, <laughs> the story, yes. Um, the only thing I will say is that to treat it the same way you would treat Game of Thrones watching, uh, just because of the certain amount of skin on show during uh, the show. So which was a bit of a shock from a Netflix show, but uh, yeah. uh, but yes, a uh, very good show. Uh, but yeah, so going back here, yeah, I even seeing him in that and liking him in that. No, I I can't picture anyone other than Hugo Weaving as V. It's kind of the same for me as when uh, Heath Ledger did the Joker, because it was like Hugo. You hear Hugo Weaving as V, and it's like, but well, Agent Smith. You got Agent Smith to be this, <laughs> this terror. Okay. And then you see this, it's like, oh, he's very good, isn't he? <laughs> so, well, I mean, you never see the guy's face. I mean, I, that, that's got to help a lot. Um, yeah. But uh, but I, I just found, you know, when, when he when he, uh, when he he meets Evie, just the first couple of lines where he's, he's like, voila, in view, a humble vaudevillian veteran cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitude of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the Vox Populi, no vacant, vanished. It goes on and on. But the way, you know, the way I deliver it, it sounds like garbage. The way he does it, your jaw is just dropping. You're like, sir, please read me the telephone book because this is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it it was one of those things where uh, I think the first time I saw this, I heard him doing that. And I was like, for a second, it's just like, is this going to be his stick? Like, is is he going to do this throughout the entire, and I, like, that's it. It literally is just the first scene you see him in. And then past that, that there's none of that. It's, it is just him with his view on the world and why he's doing what he's doing. So it's, it's not, oh, everything needs to be a V. 
Uh, yeah, make no mistake. If if he talked like that through the whole movie, nope, I'm out. You know, <laughs> but but when he when he takes over, because I'm just looking up his quotes, because because to me his dialogue in this movie was just unprecedented. But you know, he's when he's when he's when he's taking over the TV station at the BTN and that end where he's like, so if you've seen nothing, if the crimes of this government remain unknown to you, uh, if you feel as I feel, if you see what I see, uh, then stand beside me. Um, uh, where he says, but if you see what I see, if you feel as I feel, if you'd like to seek as I seek, then I ask you to stand beside me one year from tonight. The way the way that he delivers that, you know, when, when he's outside of doing that whole V shtick in the beginning, just it's 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 uh, it, it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up, man. Yeah, yeah it really does. He, he has such a fantastic delivery of these lines. So it, it yeah, it's very difficult for me to picture anyone else playing it or to hear anyone else's voice in it. And, right. Uh, uh, and the one thing I uh, I wanted, wanted to make sure I brought up as well, uh, for those of you who don't know who Stephen Fry is, uh, in this film he is uh, Gordon Dietrich, who is the boss of Evie's character. He has his own sort of comedian talk show type thing. And it becomes clear during the film that He's doing this show, but he really feels more like V does. Mm-hmm. And so during this, he does an episode of a show where he has on the Chancellor and ends up like shooting two versions of the Chancellor. And you know, of course, it turns out that this leads to him being taken by the police. So it's really interesting that... They had his character be this comedian stuff, and then you got to see this other side of him that night when he's talking to Evie about, like, yeah, you know, why do you think I in- kept inviting you over? And say, like, oh, because you know you wanted, to- um, no, like, <laughs> basically he kept inviting her over because he knew that she wouldn't, but the fact that he was asking would take take away suspicion from him because he is actually gay and. Stephen Fry himself has identified as gay. I think at this point he might identify more as asexual than anything else, but uh, like he he seemed to be primarily attracted to men, and so I I can see why he would love something like this. Uh, he also has said that the reason he took this role was so he could be punched in the face because he. <laughs> <laughs> like, he He's always been like just the comedy guy or stuff like that. So the fact that he got to play someone that gets beaten up was um, was apparently fairly funny to him. So you know, there's 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 something that I think goes unnoticed with his character and and that particular part in the movie where he decided to make fun of the high chancellor um, that parallels a lot of what's going on today that, that I, I, I was able to kind of put this together the other day watching this again. Um, you know, today, today, and especially working in radio and knowing a lot of people that, that work in media and work in journalism, um, there is, there's sort of a, uh, what do you call it? Almost a responsibility um, to the public that journalists have overlooked these last, you know, eight, 10, 12 years as, as things like TMZ and celebrity news and stuff like that becomes more sensational. You get more clicks when it's something about Kim Kardashian than you do when it's something on NPR about the budget. And so, so our, our journalists have really kind of, kind of gravitated towards that. 
and haven't put a whole lot of integrity into asking hard questions that may or may not get them kicked out of a press briefing. And we've seen a seismic shift in the last year of our journalists saying, hold on, something's not right. These are questions that need to be asked to the people that are in power, whether this is going to get kicked me out of a press briefing or not, it needs to be asked. And if enough of us keep asking this, they can't kick us all out without people not noticing. And I think that his scene in this movie where he takes himself he, he does what he does, which is comedy, and he produces his show, and he does something really funny at the expense of the most powerful person in their nation. And that's kind of his way, I think, of reclaiming responsibility in his role of communicating to the people. Like, this man is flawed, and you need to see the flaws. That are, this man's being made look, to look like a fool by some guy in a mask, and, and people need to notice that this guy – is not a good guy, that there is something very wrong with our country and there's something very wrong with just rolling out the red carpet and dropping rose petals in front of this man for him to walk on. He's getting owned by somebody because he needs to be get he needs to be owned right now. And so he, he shines that spotlight on a man who cannot tolerate having the spotlight on him in that sort of way. And so he takes him out with one of his black bags and 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 you're led to believe that he's executed. But I think what goes unnoticed is that's one of the first like one of the first uh, uh, breaks in the chain that this chancellor has over this country is this this humongous figure with this highly rated show made him look like a fool and people started to feel like it was okay to question who this man is. Yeah, yeah, and obviously you see the little girl like really enjoying the show and like getting behind it and. You then see at towards the end of the film that she ends up spray painting, uh, or at least trying to spray paint a V on the side of a building while having one of the masks, and she ends up getting shot, and that leads to one of the the finger men getting killed by a mob, and mm-hmm. I, that's that's sort of the inciting incident for the huge mob that just kind of grows and grows at the end of the film and you know, obviously you, you've you had uh, this person kind of breaking that first link in the chain by actually making fun of the guy and then you've had V sending out the messages and then it's the inciting incident of this girl, this little girl being shot by the fingerman just because it's someone in a mask they've been ordered to shoot and detain and it's like and he does it because it's his job but like it, it's that it almost um almost nazi-esque really is like, oh i was just i was just gonna say you know there's there's a whole lot of nazis and you're talking to a jew right now there's a whole lot of nazis <laughs> that that uh, thought it was okay to just do their job and uh you know there there's actually there, there's a story from from world war ii uh it was it was before the war started it was just as hitler was rising to power and it was as um as the jews were starting to get put in uh in ghettos and camps and um and and everybody everybody that talks about the second amendment talks about how you know hitler told his community to give over guns and then look what happened hitler didn't take away guns from the citizens hitler took away guns from the jews and he actually coerced them into doing it to the actual to the non-jews to to the to just the 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 superior race germans he actually gave them on one particular day it was something like a thousand residents were marched out into the middle of a field and there was like a thousand jews there and all of these residents had a gun 
and they were all told, you can shoot a Jew or you can go home. Either way, you're not going to get in trouble. But if you want to take one out, you can. And almost every single person there took a Jew out. They're not bad people in their hearts. They're, it's the mob mentality. They were, they, were, they were a part of that mob mentality where you know, everyone else is doing it. They're not getting in trouble. I should probably do it too. I want to fit in. And that's, that's literally all it was. Like a thousand Jews were executed that day because somebody co-signed the behavior and said, you can go ahead and do it and you're not going to get in trouble. You don't have to do it, but everyone else is. And like, well, I guess it's a good idea then. Yeah, and there's also the element of the man with the the white lab coat and the clipboard told me to do it, so I better do it. That thing, but I sure. Yeah, the, I think I that's the the, Berk, the Berkman or Brickman experiment. Are you talking about the one where they they push the button and the guy that he can't see is getting hurt really bad? Yeah, and he keeps telling him keep pushing the button, keep pushing the button. Yeah, and they yeah they have to answer questions if they answer incorrectly. They receive an electric shock was one level higher than the previous one and yes. the majority of people ended up giving an electric shock that would double the lethal amount that the person could take just because someone was telling them press the button they, they got it wrong continue the experiment i wish i wish my uh i wish my wife was here because she knows exactly what that's called that's what her degree is in that's her that's her jam that's her that's her gig yeah that, but, there was uh, actually there was a film about that that i wish i could remember but it is uh it's a really cool film uh, based on it, and it's also it was filmed in such a weird way. Like there's one scene where they're at the guy's house, and it's him and his wife talking about it, but they're on like uh, a set, as in like a theater set with a green screen background or a, uh, like a, a rear a rear projector background of a house, like the inside of a house. And that's what that scene is like. It's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it's like they're using a psychological experiment on the viewers during the film. And then the rest of it is done like a regular film is done. So it's really weird. But uh, I, I would recommend seeing that, although chances are she's seen it already. <laughs> it's uh, in, in the, what we were talking about. That's the Milgram experiment. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Milgram is the, is the one where they do shock. You know, another great one, too, that just a, another gleaming example of the mob mentality, um, which has a few parallels with V for Vendetta, is the, the Stanford prison experiment. Oh, yes. Although I do believe that one recently was uh, sort of debunked, as it were, in that people have come out and said some of us were paid to act in certain ways during this experiment because they wanted a certain result. Oh, is that what happened? Okay. I think so. I'm uh, I'm about ninety percent confident that I uh, I read an article uh, that was basically saying that some of these people have come out and said actually some of them were actors and it's like that they were paid to be there. I think it it might have ended up being that what they were trying to do was sort of uh, a further on from the uh, the one we were just talking about. And it's more like, oh, well, if one person's already doing this and the others are more likely to do it, I, I don't know. But it's, uh, yeah, that uh, I, I would have to do a bit more uh, research on it to be able to give you definitively one way or another. But I, I'm yeah. moderately confident that it was recently debunked. Because I know they had to shut it down early when they were when they were doing it back in the, uh, I think it was the 70s. Something like uh, that, yeah. 
Yeah, they 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 actually. I mean, they shut the experiment down early, but that. I mean, there's even if there were paid actors, there's some there's some things they can't control. But yeah, having paid actors in there would would skew all the data. That would make it a. That wouldn't that that make it unusable. Yep, pretty much, and I think that's what, uh, <laughs> that's what the article was kind of saying. It was like, well, like, well, that's a kick to the gut. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, hey, weren't we talking about V for Vendetta? Uh, I, I thought we were. But yeah, I mean, that's, well, that's one thing that I really enjoyed about this film is that it it, lend, it lays a seed for these sorts of discussions and all of these offshoots. Like, Obviously, this film has a very powerful message and it's told in a very cool and gritty way. And then it can lead to, if if people are so inclined, all of these excess discussions of, well, yeah, how can I draw a parallel with what I'm watching right now with what the government's like? And then you know, someone, if someone is able to draw all of these comparisons, the next question could be, well, what what am I willing to do about it? Or you know, something like that. And the answer might be nothing. Like it could be that someone is... Not willing to do anything, or it might be, oh well, maybe now I'm more likely to sign up for one party or another, or to see it as any uh, protests or counter protests or whatever. Like, I don't know. if people well, are, yeah, there's to a get there's a whole other forward. side of the coin. There's a whole other side of the coin that we haven't even really discussed. That that you know, what if what if somebody sees this movie and and uh, and and thinks to themselves, that's the way it should be. You should blindly trust in your government because your government has your best interests at heart and you shouldn't question and fight them like that. I, I mean, if you think that way, honestly, personally, and I may not make a few friends with this, but I think you're a crazy person, but I mean, <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a whole other discussion. I mean, there's, 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 there's two different sides to every coin and, and there's probably a community of people that think exactly that, that think exactly opposite of what we've talked about in the parallels in this movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I I think I know one or two people that would be more along those lines and uh, than what I feel most people would take away from this, but uh, I think it's just because of their own personal political beliefs and all this sort of stuff. So it's like you know, whatever. Everyone has their own opinion on something, and uh, sure. I know that for the most part, me saying something is not going to alter that. But uh, uh, hey, I'm always for a discussion with people. I, I'm up for discussions about pretty much anything as long as it's still a discussion. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, I've had several conversations that have turned into me just talking at a brick wall, and it's like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna end this. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> no and you know they probably this. they probably feel the same way. They probably feel like they're talking to a brick wall. They're probably. I know. I know when people talk to. Me, me when I get into discussions that turn into arguments, I know that on the other end, they're they're looking at what I've written and and are thinking to themselves, this stupid snowflake lived hard is what I get thrown at me a lot. And you know, like on that same token, you know, I've I've said some pretty unflattering things about them. So it goes both ways. I've actually I we we talked about this on our last episode, um, and and uh, we we have decided to make a conscious decision that we are we're done engaging in conversations for now not because we don't think the conversation should be had it's that we we genuinely feel that right now um, emotions are running so high and, and reactions are so visceral that there's that there, there really is no purpose that nobody's really ready for one right now 
Nobody, no, nobody's really ready. Nobody's really ready. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the conversations always turn to arguments and the arguments always turn into the other side trying to trying to teach or give that mic drop moment to the other person they're talking to. And, and, and no, nobody comes out the victor. And, and in reality, all you're doing is making them and they're making you dig your heels in even deeper to what you're holding on and believing so, so steadfastly. I, we just don't think that anybody's really ready right now. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll agree. Uh, I, I would do something that I've rarely ever done. I bring up something kind of political just to emphasize that point. I was in discussion with somebody uh, about gun control. Uh, I come from the UK and I, as far as I'm aware, I didn't know anyone that had a gun. I've never had a gun in the house. I never fired one. I feel incredibly uncomfortable if I know there's one around. Sure. And it's like it, whenever I see one, I feel less safe. And I know some people are like, well, what are you talking about? It's like, just for me personally, the fact that I know that there is a gun around increases the chance that something could happen with that gun. Like, no matter who's got it, no matter how well trained they are, how safe they are, whatever. It's just my personal viewpoint, whatever. I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, but uh, I was having a discussion with someone about. Uh, the Second Amendment and all of this stuff. It's, it was around the time of the school, sh- the the school shootings just seemed to be happening every other day, and uh, this people was going on about like you know well taking away the guns wouldn't change anything, and it's like okay, like it was a long discussion, and he ended it by saying that one thing that you don't you didn't have in the UK, and that's the the God given Second Amendment right to bear arms, and it was like. I, uh... um, like I, I should have left it, but I didn't, and I I just had that one last thing of of saying I'm fairly certain it was written by men. They just thank you, thank you. Like, I'm so glad that was your response. Yeah, it, it was like uh, I I know that I said it was the end of the conversation, but like you know, regardless of whether you believe in God or not, and all of this sort of stuff, it's like the Constitution was written by men. Like mm-hmm. there we go, but for whatever reason in America it feels as though and I, 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 yeah try not to step on any toes and stuff and take it. Well, I yeah I, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but it feels as though that a large number of people that are yeah you know, especially in the NRA and all of that sort of stuff like you know the steadfast no one will ever take any of my guns ever type people also sure. tend to be it's my God given right to do this. It's like no, it isn't. Like it's, it's a right that was written in as a Second Amendment, and you can have your own discussion as to whether that intended, like you know, arms as they are today versus as they were, like whatever. But it's like, yeah, come on, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> it's your Second Amendment right as written by men, and also, what's the name of your well-regulated militia? Because <laughs> I haven't met anybody who's in the militia yet. I'm not going to hijack your show with 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 that conversation because I know that your listeners are are probably here for a completely different reason. But uh, yeah, but, I, I, but, I tried, brother, tried to make that as broad as I could. You're you're speaking my language, brother. I feel you. Yeah. Feel you. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> hey, for more for more discussions just like that, totally delightful <laughs> Yes, and uh, and that is exactly what I was doing with this podcast. I was trying to blend the two together there. Um, but, but, oh, you know, you know, what we try and do in our podcast is is every uh, 
every every episode um i try and i try and mention one of the podcasts that are in the network and we were talking about we were talking about the supreme court seats uh that were being stolen i mean being filled and um we were talking about uh about the men that were going to be on there and and what they were going to do to women's reproductive rights and uh, I somehow some my our our partner said something like it's just a bunch of bros talking now, and I'm like, oh, much like the language of bromance, another podcast in the Pod Bros Network, <laughs> like trying to find the most inappropriate ways that I can to fit in other I, podcasts with our network. And I'm and I'm, say. I'm, working, I'm working on where I can fit in the 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 blockbusters in the most inappropriate time possible. Hmm. <laughs> Just, just know wherever we mention your name, it's it's not going to be appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure it'll be kind of equally shoved in with abortion somewhere or something like that. It'll just be. <laughs> it'll be a bunch of blokes busting up the abortion clinics, like it'll be something. Like that. Um, why did I sound? Yeah, why did I sound so jaunty saying that particular phrase? It's a horrible <laughs> thing. But anyway, <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> yes. If, if anyone wishes to complain about uh, how this has gone, please feel free to contact Ian over there. Uh, he'll uh, he'll happily take all of your criticism. Uh, but but yeah, as I was saying, like I feel like this film, no matter when you watch it, it will basically end up. Assuming that you're one of those people that likes to engage with the films you're watching and to talk about and stuff like that, it's going to end up coming to these sorts of conversations and all of that sort of stuff. So that one of the reasons I really enjoy this film is because if you're watching it with other people, you can then end up discussing it and having, I feel, more fun conversations about this sort of stuff and uh, talking with other people. So... Yeah, I, I'm very happy that you ended up choosing this one. It is something that I kind of thought about reviewing at some point, but it just you know, never really came up or it, it wasn't re- readily available. And so it was it was nice to, to finally be able to talk about it. Well, 12 years later, I really feel like this movie kind of went under the radar, you know? I mean, I know it did a hundred and, what'd you say, $106 million? Uh, uh, yeah, it was 132 132 million dollars and and it and it had natalie portman and she's she's a star in her own right and, and drives a lot of people to the box office but when i you know when, when i got married uh, my wife and i have been together now for for almost 10 years and she had never even heard of v for vendetta when her and i got married and and uh she's one of those she's hard to get to watch a movie you know i, I have to i have to put something on when she's in the room and almost kind of force her into watching it and hope that it sticks and yeah. this was one of this was one of those. I shouldn't say she hadn't heard of it. She'd heard of it, but she thought that it was like a movie for crazy people. She thought it was like a weird, you know, a weird movie that she wasn't going to be interested in. And that's and that's because her and I, when it comes to, and I know you mentioned earlier, like you like the stuff where there's like a dystopian world. That's not necessarily my jam, which is which is what makes me love this movie even more. Is that it got me into that as well. Um, but I forced this one on her about a year and a half ago. I just put it on when she had nowhere else to go and I kind of held her hostage. And I don't know if she went into Stockholm syndrome and was just into it because she had nowhere else to go or she genuinely liked it. But when it was over, she's like, okay, I can understand why you like this movie now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, for instance, uh, one thing, it, they added topical references into the film 
to kind of try and appeal to the audience at the time. And so it's a tale like it so it draws uh, from in the areas of government surveillance, torture, fear mongering, media manipulation, like uh, not to mention corporate corruption and religious hypocrisy. Like it's uh, there's also an avian flu around that time, so that's one of the things that led to the disease that they mentioned in the film. And so it one of those things where it's like, oh, so it was a yeah, kind of a statement of what was going on at the time and doesn't seem like much has changed, which is also something that's in this film really. It's like, <laughs> nothing changes. <laughs> it re- it really it touches on a lot of stuff that was topical then because that was when uh that was when uh, that movie Spotlight, uh which uh which was have you seen Spotlight yet? I have. It was a phenomenal film. Phenomenal film. But this was this was back when all the all the all the priests or cardinals or or whatever it was in on the East Coast were getting busted. This was back when uh, I don't know if you remember the story about Enron, but this is back when all those major corporations were cooking the books. And I mean, they still are now. I think they're just finding more creative ways to do it. But this was uh, you're 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 spot on. This is when all of that was happening. Yeah. So interesting. I I. I... And not someone that, at least until recently, has really been up on current events. I'd always just kind of found out about something that happened a year or two later and just been like, oh, really? Oh, all right. Uh, but uh, in this day and age, it, it really feels, I feel like I had to keep on top of what's happening because otherwise I won't ever hear about it. It'll just, <laughs> there's yeah, too it's- much. There's and there's so much. You know, we saw we saw John Stewart at a, they had a festival here in early June called Clusterfest, and it was a three day comedy festival. And uh, John Stewart was one of the comedians uh, right before he uh, went on. I think he's doing like a six day tour. Anyway, you know when we when we do when we do our podcast, like the three of us, we always kind of joke. You know, we're so woke. We're we're the woke podcast. We're not, um, but you know, it's, it's, it's one, it, it'll drive you mad if you try and keep up with everything. And, and John Stewart said it best. He said, no matter how woke you think you are, you're going to eventually sleep. And, and, and it's just, it, I, I don't, I, you almost have to filter the information that you take in because like you were saying, you know, there's so much, there's going to be a lot of stuff that we find out a year from now that we're not catching on to right now because there's just so much, yeah. there's so much. <laughs> I, I I had to say the one thing that popped into my head when you mentioned Clusterfest is if their posters wasn't cluster F asterisk 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 then they're missing a trick there. Oh, all all of their all of their uh, video all of their video marketing through through uh, social media uh, took advantage of that. It really did. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, I was so. gonna say there, there's no way someone would have missed that. No, 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 no. That was it's it's a little on the nose, but they 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 were there. They were they were there doing it. <laughs> but uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I I think we've talked about Reef Mandela enough. We definitely talked a fair amount. Um, <laughs> I feel bad. I feel like I kind of I feel like I kind of hijacked your show a little bit and, and started bringing up issues that that normally wouldn't be on the blockbusters because it shouldn't be because you guys are you know a film review. Uh, podcast and 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 I don't want to alienate anybody who's listening, but but man, you know, so I, I've got opinions and sometimes they come out. So I apologize in advance if anybody listening thought, "Who's that crazy liberal on your show? Get him off." Well, I, I mean, it, it, one thing I like about having guests on the show they they kind of sort of take over the the narrative, as it were, because they are the guest. It, it 
they're on they they're time to talk so yeah <laughs> and obviously that's what you guys do so that's what we ended up doing so yeah it's uh, co- cool to have you on sort of have that sort of bit of a weird tangent uh but uh i like very apropos of the film i feel like it's just uh it kind of naturally bled into that so yeah yeah you know you know we got a little extra squirrely but i think it was all relevant i think it all you know there was a couple of side streets but i think it was all all aimed at the same destination yeah and uh when you be surprised when this comes out and it's only 30 minutes long it's like well i had to make a few cuts uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's i can see it now the show starts up and and you know you're you're, you're doing your intro and you're like and, and then there's ian from that's delightful v for vendetta love the movie hey thanks for tuning in yeah no, I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't even go that far <laughs> i'll just, just start i get to that point in even that's life, and you're like, hey, and then it's just the outro music. <laughs> <laughs> Been fun. See you later. No, yeah. I, I really appreciate this opportunity. You know, we don't we don't get a whole lot of chances to have people on our show because of our work schedule, and you guys are on the East Coast and we're on the West Coast, and timing doesn't work out. And uh, and we also don't do a whole lot of uh, movie reviews. But I was <laughs> I was asked politely by my partner on our show, Kelly. Um, he wants to come on and do a movie with you too. If you ever need a substitute host, um, oh, sure. I mean, assuming that uh, again this time works, then uh, I'm more than happy. He he will make the time work. This guy, I love movies. This guy loves movies to the nth degree, and he knows he knows a ton. He's he's really chomping at the bit. I would have had him on with me, but I didn't know how how you do things, and then our setup is a little is a little archaic and, and it just didn't seem uh, it didn't seem it didn't seem like a good idea so so he he asked if i could ask if he could be on one of these with you as well yeah sure no problem uh, we'll, we'll figure that out uh, in the next few days then sure and then i figured we'd do it while you're recording so you couldn't say no <laughs> <laughs> hey remember i'm the one that is this so <laughs> You are the pod master in chief right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's just going to be a beep over the past right. few minutes. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, but Jenny, I, seriously, I, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Well, good. Glad, glad to have you on. And uh, uh, one more time then for those listening, where can I get a hold of you if they wish to? Uh, you can check out That's Delightful, the podcast, at totallydelightfulstuff.com. Um, our uh, email is that's delightful stuff at gmail, but totally delightful stuff.com, iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, your mom's house, we're everywhere. <laughs> yes, uh, you're a podcatcher of choice, as I heard another podcast to use, and I've taken that at every opportunity. And yep, yes, podcatcher of choice, yes, and so obviously, uh, you guys should know where to find us since hey, you're listening to it. Uh, but yes, obviously, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook, all of those, just search Blockbusters, we'll be there, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, talk to you guys some other time. So, with all of that being said, I've been Paul, and he's been Ian, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh... Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.
Brian here with a quick lesson in theater etiquette. If you take your phone out during the movie, remember the screen is brighter than you are.